I hear something now. Okay. Okay. Nothing. Got to get those batteries in there. But anyway, the bottom line is God has one big picture, and that big picture is the whole of the Word of God. It is all of the Word of God. We're going to be isolating ourselves into the book of Revelation and chapter 6 through 9 today, but we have to keep that in mind that it is the whole of the Word of God. Chapter 6 and verse number 1. Let's go there. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get on with it as best we can. And it says, And I saw when the Lamb opened, when the Lamb opened, I want to repeat that, when the Lamb opened, it is the Lamb of God. He's considered Jesus because He shall save His people from their sins. But now He's recognized as a Lamb. And it stands in our face as a great oxymoron. Because here we have the opening of the judgments being poured out on the earth in regards to the nation of Israel and rebellious mankind in general. And we have them being poured out by a lamb. Wow. That's pretty amazing when you think about that. And he opened uh, one of the seals and I saw... And I heard, excuse me, as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four uh, creatures, better, better translated creatures, saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him with a bow and a crown was given. He went forth conquering and to conquer. And so we have the first of these seals that is unveiled to us. Now, where are these seals dealt with? Chapter 5. Chapter 5 comes before chapter 6. And then, uh, lo and behold, uh, surprise to all of you, chapter 4 comes before chapter 5. Thank God for that. Wow, you, did, you learned something today, didn't you? See, then we got that sequence, that numerical sequence going really good. 4, then 5. Then six, you know, oftentimes we look at the book of the Revelation, we say, well, I just can't understand it. It seems to be flying all over the place. And there's times when it does fly all over the place. But there is an orderly sequence as you go through. Very orderly sequence as you go through. It is hard to place certain events to pin them down to a time sequence. But in, in, in general, we have an outlaying of the future plan of God. But we do have a natural outline of the book of the Revelation found in chapter 1 and verse 19. Write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, that's present, and the things which be hereafter, and that's future. And so what we have is a perfect layout right there. The things that were past that's concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and His redemption. He is the Alpha and Omega. That's chapter number one. Then we have chapter two and three, and that's the church. That's where we are at present. And you'll notice what's being done there. Uh, it, it is a it is a, a orderly judgment of the church, holding them accountable. Of, of holding up and following through with the great plan of God. I will build my church, the Lord Jesus Christ said, and the gates of hell will not pre, uh, prevail against it. So the church is there in two and three. And then we have four, chapter four and verse number one. It says this, after I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven. What a glory. Let me tell you, I love that verse. That verse should stick out. To us, it should be great reassurance to us because what we're going to deal with today in chapter six through nine, we will not be going through. I want you to understand that. Now, let me specify that. Let me get that narrowed down because it's very important that we understand fully what we're dealing with here. Those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior will not be going through chapter six. Through 19, right? There's a process of unveiling the judgments uh, on mankind for their rebellion, and they're unfolded in a very orderly sequence, and they will not include us. Let me verify that from chapter 5. Chapter 5 of the Revelation, and it says this. Verse number 8, and, and when he had taken the book and the four... Creatures, again, better translation, and the four and twenty elders, the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they 
sung a new song. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us. 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 And it repeats that same uh, small little two-letter word in verse 10. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests. And so John is not there alone. Verse number 4 of chapter 1 really uh, opens to us the uh, rapture of the church. We learn about that in 1 Thessalonians. The fact that the trump will sound and the dead in Christ will rise and we who remain will be caught up to be with the Lord forever. And it says in verse number uh, 4, and it says, and after this, I looked and behold, the door was open in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? And then John is taken off the earth. And and this whole scene that John is given is an outlay of what will take place. And so we are... Gone. Those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, their personal Savior. Now, if, you, if you've rejected that message and you say no to the Lord, no to the Lord, no to the Lord, over and over and over again, you will stay. And the kind of judgments that we're going to be dealing with today are not something that you would consider to be very pleasant. So, uh, I want you to keep that in mind. If you know the Lord is your personal Savior, you will Definitely be gone in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ at that time. And I saw and behold a white horse. These are the four horsemen. The unholy horsemen. The horsemen of the apocalypse. And and even the world got a hold of this. Man, they got a hold of this. And you, you see this reverberated through society. These four horsemen. Their judgments is what they are. They're terrible, awful judgments. And a quarter of the population on this earth are going to be destroyed during those judgments. That's an awful scene, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you what. If if, if you're talking about uh, 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 future events and these things that are laid out in Revelation and have been laid out in Revelation for quite some time, if you would have preached this during the 1950s, you really, it really would have been even harder for us to understand. Because those were the good times, you know. But now we see things going on in our world that, that really are, are, are becoming quite parallel to what we're seeing in the book of the Revelation. When people are made to bow on a sandy beach... And their, their, their throats are slit. That's reality. That's real. You may not believe this. You go ahead and not believe this. You better believe that. And that looks an awful lot like this. And it's getting to look even more and more like this every day. So I think if an individual continually rejects the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, says, says no to the Lord, you died for my sins. I hear that message. I hear that message. I say, no, I don't want nothing to do with it. You better look up. You better wise up. Because, friend, it's coming like a storm. It's all over us now. I couldn't have even said some of the things. I couldn't have had that kind of confidence before September 1st. But it's on us like a storm now. You better look out. This world, even the news outlets are saying, we are in a mess. I can find it quoted if you need it. The news outlets are even saying that. The Bible tells us That is going to end perfect. But what precedes that perfect ending is going to be righteous judgment from the hand of God. Righteous judgment from the hand of God. And let me tell you, let me make sure you understand that you have a way of escape 
You have a way of escape. It's available to you. It's called the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He came to die in your place. He came to become a curse so that you might be a blessing. You see, He came to bleed and to die in order that your sins might be forgiven. He's the Redeemer. If you deny that escape, then you're going to land in chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and so on and so forth. The wrath of God will abide on you. Oh, this is serious business. We have before us this first horseman. He's riding upon a white horse. The Holy Spirit has the reins of four powerful Horses, right now. And the Holy Spirit, being as mighty as God, being God Himself, is holding back those four horses right now. But there's a time when after the Son of God has gotten the message from the God the Father to go back and get your bride, that that Holy Spirit that's holding back with all His might, these Four powerful horses is going to say, Whoop! and let go of the reins. And unleashed on this earth is going to be a terror and a wrath like has never been seen before. It says that all over the Bible, Old Testament, all the way through. Never seen this before. And this horseman riding a white horse, having a bow and, and, and no arrows, this horseman. I'm not going to go into all the arguments about it. It is, to me, it's absolutely crystal clear. This is the Antichrist. This is the Antichrist. He's going to ride on a, in on a white horse. White horses are, are there. They can be war horses, but they can also be peace horses. When the Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 19, when he rides through and, and he goes before the kings of the earth and behind him are arrayed all these saints clothed in beautiful white garments and his, his garment is blood stained because he's a redeemer of the whole earth. That's a war horse, but it's also a peace horse. It proclaims peace, doesn't it? It proclaims peace for all those saints that are right out behind him. And everything, you're going to, if you study out the revelation, you're going to find out that everything that God the Father does in heaven and, 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 and promotes through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan will emulate. That's why he's riding, I believe, on a white horse. Satan will send his man, the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to set up on this earth. He's not going to uh, uh, garner that crown. You notice what it says about the crown? It was given to him. It was given to him. It was given to him. Notice that. It doesn't say he went out and took it by force or by power or, 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 or strength and might. It was given to him. Why was it given to him? Because, the, again, you've got to use the whole of the Scripture to pull this whole picture together. You're going to find out that the Antichrist will come in peace. He's going to come crying out peace. Let me just, let me just, listen, listen. I, I know it doesn't take much to figure this one out. But right now, there, is there peace in the Middle East? Man, you talk about a mess. You know, recently, I'm sitting there uh, 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 reading uh, or listening to uh, something on, on Fox News, I believe. And, and you know what the commentator said? She said this, man, we need a man. We need a man to get us out of this mess. I said, oh boy. Is the world ready for their man? Their man is the Antichrist. Satan is going to set up his man. And that man is going to come in peace. He's going to be riding on a white horse like a big mounted hero. He's going to have a bow and, and no arrows. 
And it's quite clear from Daniel chapter 9. Let, let's go back there just real quickly. I, I just want to, I'm going to spend a little time on this one here. Um, I'm sure I'm going to get in trouble on time. I'm positive. But Daniel chapter 9. And verse, uh, I have it marked here somewhere. 9 and verse uh, 27. It says, and he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Now, we, we haven't gotten into it yet. I'm sure we will get into it yet. But there are 69 weeks that have passed in history. There are 69 weeks that have passed in history. And there's one week left. And there is this great span of time designated in Isaiah 61 as the, the day of grace, where the Lord Jesus Christ is opening up the invitation for every human being on the earth to avoid this mess. And if you reject, rebel, reject, rebel, then the mess is yours. He can do nothing more. You say, well, what did he give? He gave his own son. His own son bled and died. His own son, who, 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 who was, the, was the, the, the beauty of heaven, came down to this earth and was beat up and crucified and, and beaten so badly that you couldn't even recognize him as a man anymore. What else could he give? There's nothing more to give. He gave his all. And for someone to stand back and say, I don't want it is rebellion and that's the kind of rebellion that is dealt with in the book of the revelation starting it in chapter number six so we have this this man and it says and he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week that's the one week that is left 69 gone 70 we need this one week to go and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease and for an overspreading of abomination he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolation this man is going to break that covenant now I want you to understand something you go into the covenants of God go into the covenants of God study them out does God ever say up oh, that's it you blew it. No, those covenants are in most cases made on an unconditional term. In other words, it is not dependent upon we as human beings to keep or sustain the faithfulness of that covenant. It is God. What happens here? Well, this is the counterpart. This is Satan and his man, the Antichrist. And the man, the Antichrist, sets up and he goes through the Middle East and probably Europe as well all over. And he convinces men. That he's the answer to this mess. And it don't take but three and a half years. And his stripes are revealed. Godless, unbelievable. And the torment of men begins to outpour as a judgment of God. So let's go back to the Revelation chapter number 6. And... I want to look at the second horse. We're going to go through these four horsemen. Then we're going to have to fly a little bit um, in order to get uh, <laughs> through, through all of this so I can even find it here. Uh, chapter 6 and verse number um, 3. It says, And when he had opened the door, the second seal, I heard the second beast saying, Come and see. And there went out another horse, and uh, uh, that was red, and his power was given to him that sat upon to take peace from the earth. Now, I want you to understand this, this term, take peace from the earth. I want you to kind of, I kind of underline that, and I, I, I even yellowed it so I can see that and understand that. You can't take peace unless there is peace. So, you see, what's happening is the Antichrist is setting up this false peace, you see. And then war is going to follow because these are judgments of God. War is going to follow. And that peace is going to be taken from the earth. So uh, we, we have war. And then in verse uh, number five, we said, And he had opened the third 
And I heard the third beast saying, Come and see. And behold, and lo, the black horse. And the black horse had a pair of balances. And the essentials of the black horse are that there's famine. And these are progressions. These are natural progressions that happen. If you study out World War I, you're going to find out that that was a, just a devastating war. Unbelievable war. What followed that war was famine. What followed that war was economic collapse. There's absolutely no doubt about that. So you have that after you have uh, war. And then you have uh, the third seal. And I heard the third beast saying, come and see. Here we go. Come and see again. And this is a black horse. And, excuse me. We already went to the black horse. Didn't we? Peace. Okay. And then the fourth. And it says, and when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of four beasts saying, come and see. And I looked and behold, a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him. And power was given him unto a fourth part of the earth. And I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 26, because the Lord Jesus Christ actually commentates on this whole thing and puts it in that exact order. That that is the order that that he puts it in. Um, Matthew chapter uh, 24. Really. It's a mini apocryphal. It's, it's a mini eschatology as the Lord puts together uh, what's going on and what will be going on. Verse six, uh, verse four, it says, and Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. Those are the deceivers. The Antichrist will come. That's the white horse. That's the deceiver. And then it says in verse six, um, um, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. There's war. It's in perfect order. The next horse. And then verse 7. Uh, and it says, uh, For the nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine and pestilence. There you go. There's the third horse. And then you have verse 9. It says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. And that's the fourth. So the Lord Jesus Christ gives kind of a preface, a preface to the whole thing. He gives his take on the whole thing. And these are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And then verse eight. And I looked and behold, excuse me, uh, verse nine. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of, uh, of the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they had held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Now, I want you to notice something about uh, this, this fifth seal here. And that is that they are not crying anymore, uh, uh, Lord, have mercy on them. Redeem them. Open your gates of grace to them. These are individuals who had come out of great tribulation. And so these are individuals that were martyred during that 70th week of Daniel, that last seven full years when uh, God's wrath is going to be poured on this earth. They are in heaven. And they are seeing what is going on on earth. Now, I don't know that we can set a precedent and say that we as the church are going to be able to see what's going on on earth the way that they did. I don't know that. Seems possible, though. They looked down on the earth and they were crying, How long, O Lord? Let's get on with it here. This is a mess. The Lord could have easily said at that point, You ain't seen nothing yet. Because this is just the beginning. The first seven seals, then the seventh seal opens into the seven trumpets. And many Bible commentators, some do deviate on this. Many Bible commentators believe that's the first half of the tribulation, the first three and a half years. By the way, that, 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 that three and a half year documentation, it's in months, it's in days, it's all over the scriptures from the back to the front. It's everywhere. It's the most documented period in all the Bible. 
that there is going to be a three and a half year period. Three and a half year. What's so significant then about that three and a half year period? Well, what's significant is that the covenant is broken. The Antichrist breaks the covenant with the world and he begins to show his true stripes. And this earth just spirals into unbelievable judgment. And so the fifth seal is, is opened and, and those who are, are, are there in heaven look down and they just cry to God, how long? Verse 11 says, and the white robes were given unto every one of them, that is those in heaven that had died as martyrs. They had died as martyrs in probably the first three and a half years of the tribulation. They were taken, they were escorted up to heaven, and they were given white robes. Now it's interesting that we are also given white robes as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice that from chapter 6 all the way through to chapter 19, this terrible period, this awful period of the judgments of God is church without the church being mentioned. Never. It's not mentioned. Why, why such silence on this? We have Revelation 5. It seems the church is, is there. We have Revelation 1. We have Revelation 2. We got Revelation 3. All oh, church, 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 church. Six, boom, stops. That's it. No more. What happened? Well, Revelation 4, verse 1. And he was drawn up into heaven. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We're not here. I want to emphasize that because if you're here today and you haven't accepted the Lord, then it appears very well that you're going to be transferred right into this judgment period. Very, very ominous time indeed. And then it says this in verse uh, number 13. And stars from heaven fell upon earth, even as fig trees casting her untimely figs. Now, I I I don't take this as unliteral. I take these judgments as absolutely literal. These physically are happening upon earth. I want you to notice that a lot of the judgments have their origin in heaven. This is God's judgment on earth for their rebellion. It's God's judgment on the nation of Israel so that they might cry out their allegiance to the Messiah that they had crucified. They will look upon the one whom they had bruised and beaten and battered and spit upon. And they'll finally claim him as the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Verse 15, and the kings of the earth and the great men and and the rich men and the chief cap. What what is he trying to say here? And the mighty men. What's trying to be said here? What is the word of God trying to try and get in our minds right here? Uh, That judgment is no respecter of persons. You see? That's, that's what it's trying to say. That's why it goes through all these series. The chief men, the, the mighty men, all these people that seem like, or, or I can buy my way out of this, you know. I, I, I have prestige, I have power, I have position. Oh, you do. You also have judgment. You're all cast in the same lot as those who had rebelled against the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 17 says this. For the great day of the wrath of God comes, and who shall stand? Now, there's a question asked. Who shall stand? Who shall stand? Chapter 7 answers that question. Praise God. Praise God. You know, there isn't a time, even in the midst of this horrific, unbelievable wrath of God being poured out on this earth, there isn't a time when the grace of God is not evident. And chapter 7 tells us that the grace of God is indeed evident. After this, I saw verse uh, chapter 7, uh, uh, the four angels, and they were standing on the four corners of the earth, and these angels are assigned there to hold back the judgments of God. And, and they were asked to hold back the judgments of God, saying, hurt not, verse 3, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their Forehead. So this is a very physical, a very physical ceiling that can be seen by everyone. Now, who are these servants of God? Well, verse four, and it says, I heard the number of them which were sealed and there were sealed a hundred and forty four thousand of all tribes of the children of Israel. Now, you're going to have to read down by yourself, but 
for you to come up with, or anyone to come up with anything other than the truth of the Scriptures here is just absolutely audacious on their part. This is the nation of Israel. And so that we would not be confused, he goes on in chapter, uh, in chapter 7, verse 5 through 8, and he described all the tribes of 12 tribes, 12,000 uh, 12, from each of the tribes that is laid out there. So that there'd be no confusion. So certainly there's no confusion on this. There's, is there, is there, is there, is there's mass confusion, isn't there? Oh, we're the 144,000. Well, bless your heart. I, I said, bless your heart. My. Isn't that something? And then there's other groups that raise their hand. We're, we're the 144,000. We're the witness. Boy, aren't you something? I don't want to be the witness. I'm gone. I'm in heaven. All that, all that clamor and all that worship around the Lamb of God, I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of this. This is a mess. This is a mess. And most of these of the 144,000, uh, a lot of them will be martyred. Now, what do they do? Well, here's what they do. Verse number 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man uh, uh, could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues and, and, and stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, saved through tribulation, palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and upon the Lamb. And all the angels stood around about the throne and about the elders and the four creatures and fell before the throne on their face and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might, be unto our God forever and ever. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And where do they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest... And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and... That's what I want to do. That's, that's where I want to be. That's day and night in His throne. And He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more. Neither shall the sun... Light on them, nor any heat, for the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eye. <laughs> wow. There's a multitude that's going to be saved. There's a multitude that's going to be saved from every kindred, nation, and tribe, and tongue. Some say that there's going to be more saved during the first three and a half years of the tribulation time than there are saved all the years before. I don't know. But I know this. There is a multitude that will be saved. I want you to recognize something, though, because certainly the, 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 our brains start working and we start, we start thinking about things. We say, well, you know what? Maybe I'll just wait. And, and, and I'll put in my life, I'll enact the old pan theory. Let's see how it pans out. And if it starts to look and emulate what the Scriptures are saying. Well, then, he said a multitude is going to be saved. And so I'll just get saved then. Well, I want you to be warned of something. Let's go back to Second Thessalonians. And we've got to see that um, that's not a good way of thinking about it. Second Thessalonians and chapter number two and verse number nine. It says, even him whose coming is after the workings of Satan. Now, who is he speaking of? 
Antichrist. Antichrist. With all powers and signs and lying wonders. We have, we have three entities that we're dealing with. The Antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan. And there you've got another parallel to God. And what he has. We've got the Holy Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You've got Antichrist. You've got Satan, who's the father of all lies. And, 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 and then you've got the false prophets. You've got your unholy trinity, don't you? So that's what I'm speaking of this. And with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not... The love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause. Now, I want you to understand this. Look look at what it says. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. Now, who's sending it? Is that the Antichrist? Is that the false prophet? Is that Satan? No, it says God will send them strong delusion. Because they didn't believe. The love of the truth when they had opportunity. And they're going to be swept away by the Antichrist lie. They're going to be swept away by this torrent, this stream that is rolling so powerfully. They can't resist it. Watch out. If you're sitting here, I don't know where that line is drawn, by the way. You say, oh, well, preacher man, tell me where that line's drawn. And I'll try to just get right up to that line. I won't jump over it. Maybe that's what you know. I don't know. But there comes a point where you say no to the grace, no to the grace, no to the grace, no to the grace, no to the grace. And God says, okay, no it is. Now you're sealed. You might as well take the mark of the beast. You were sealed already. Strong delusion, it says. Strong delusion. So be very careful with that kind of an attitude. There is a line drawn that only heaven knows. So we go back and we deal with, oh boy. Um, so you have the 144,000 witness there from the nation of Israel. Remember that's what God intended. God had intended that Israel, the nation of Israel, will be a witness on this earth to his glory. To, to the fact that he takes them and he, he cherishes them and he carries them along. So all the other nations would recognize God's goodness and God's grace. And they failed and they failed and they failed. But they won't fail now. Finally, they're going to do what God had intended them to do from the very outset. They're going to be a witness on this earth. And they're going to be a powerful witness on this earth. It's like letting loose 144,000 Apostle Pauls all at one time. Man, they're going to be everywhere. And, and, and it, it isn't as though uh, these individuals, it says they, that, 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 that personally, I, I'm, I'm almost positive, says they don't get married. I mean, they'll, they'll twist that around and try to come up with all kinds of crazy things. But, but the idea of that is the fact that they are completely, absolutely given over to what God had commanded them to do. Preach the gospel. That's exactly what they're doing. I don't have time to be married. I don't have time to purchase a home. I don't have. Now, we, we know that that's part of our life today. We ain't the 144,000. Don't get into that, please. I don't want none of that stuff. Right? We're not the 144,000. We do have to purchase homes. We do have to get married and given in marriage. All these things are part of our life. But these people, the, the emphasis of the Scripture is that they are given 100% to the Savior. Chapter 14 of the Revelation says that they walk behind the Lamb continually. As they're in heaven, they never let Him go. They don't want Him to be out of sight. The whole idea is that they're 150% and more sold out to the will of God. Maybe that's the way we should be, right? Am I? No. But that's the example that we're given here of this 144,000. And then chapter 8 brings back to the seventh seal. So we had the six seals in chapter 6. The first six seals in chapter 6. And then we have the seventh seal in chapter 8. And the seventh seal in chapter 8 just basically unfolds seven more judgments called the Trump judgments. So that's what we see in verse number 1. Verse number 2 says, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God. That, that's what they do. They, say, they stand before God. They, they stand before God. 
And they're not there thinking about, hmm, I wonder who's winning that dolphin game. I wonder who. No, you know what they're there for? They're there waiting the beckoning call of their master. The sovereign God of heaven. When the sovereign God of heaven speaks, they go. We're just standing here waiting. That's what they're doing. Wow. Completely given over uh, to the will of God. Verse number 3 says, Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came uh, with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God uh, out of the angel's hand. And then it says in verse 5, And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and, and, and lightnings and earthquakes. What a scene. What a scene. Those who had been martyred, you know. Those who had been cast into prison and, and thought they were completely forgotten. And the prayers that, they came, that came from them, the prayers that came from them were from the depths of their being. Absolutely. Not, of, not another human being heard those prayers. But God did. Wow. Not only did He hear them, but He stores them away. So when, when, when a person is sitting and he's, he's being martyred for Christ and, and he turns his head with his last breath, begins to pour out his heart to God, God hears and He keeps all those. Those are all stored away. They're all stored away in order that they may, might be a part of His righteous judgment. Because He says He takes those and He casts them down onto the earth. Wow. What a scene. What an exhortation for us to be in prayer and be in sincere prayer. Absolute sincere prayer. Oh, I, you know, oftentimes we pray and we say, Oh, Lord, help us. I do that all the time. Oh, Lord, help us. And, and that's not deep prayer. That's, that, that's, just, that's just superficial kind of stuff. These deep prayers that go from the heart of a man, they're kept by heaven. They're kept by heaven. Wow. I wonder if I got any prayers up there. I wonder. I wonder. And then verse number 10 tells us about the third angel sounding. And it begins to tell us the kind of judgments that go on. And we can't go in to all of those judgments. Um, but we get to this fifth angel, and there's something different about this fifth angel. And that's chapter number 9. And I stood and saw the star from heaven unto earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of that pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Now, you can, you can go ahead and do what you want with this and throw some semantics and spiritualize it and everything. But let me tell you, these locusts are locusts. And locusts are locusts. And locusts are locusts. And if God wants to make a 78,000-pound locust to fly around the earth, He can do it. He can do it. So this pit is released, and it says, And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as a torment of a scorpion. I, I don't know if anybody's ever been swacked by a scorpion in their tail, but apparently that is a tremendously torturous experience of which I'm glad I've never experienced. And verse 6 says, And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it. So for five months, these weird creatures are going to fly around and they're going to sap those who are marked with the mark of the beast. So if you've taken the mark of the beast, you're marked. You're marked. I want you to notice something about marks. 
God initiated Mark's. You say, whoa, whoa, no, that's Satan's job. That's his realm, isn't it? That Mark business. No, God's been marking people for a long time. Cain was marked, wasn't he? For what? Preservation. Ezekiel 9, there was so much idolatry in the land that God went in through the land and He found these individuals that recognized the idolatry and stood against that idolatry. And God said, mark them in their foreheads. Was it a spiritual mark? No, it says mark them in their foreheads. It was very physical. Mark them. For what? For preservation again. Every mark that God gives is for preservation. He marked 144,000, those who would be a witness on the earth. He marked them. He marked them so that there are certain aspects of this judgment that could not touch them. They could not be touched. We are marked. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal sin, you realize that you're marked. Oh, not a physical mark, but Ephesians tells us that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. And that sealing means that nobody can touch me. Nobody can touch me. I am marked. God was the artist of the mark. Satan is the imitator of God. And in chapter 13 it says, they're marked with that mark, the mark of a man. 666. It was a physical mark. In, during World War II, uh, Ostwitz, that terrible, and Treblinka, those two camps, they began to mark people. They would mark them here, and they would mark them here, and they became nothing more than a number. Their value as a human being was reduced to that of a number. Why did they mark them? Because they knew that they were going to die. And after they died, they couldn't tell their names anymore, could they? So they wanted to know who it was that died. They kept good records. Why did they keep good records? Because God said to keep good records. You know that those records ultimately were to their damage? But God said, those are my people. You will keep good records. So if you want to follow your father, Satan, he's got his mark. You'll be marked out. Marked out for death. Death and destruction. Satan's marks are marks to destruction. God's marks are marked to preservation. You see. Oh, I'll tell you what. I'll go with my Heavenly Father any day. I'd rather be sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And there is nothing that can take away my relationship with the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Chapter 9 goes on, and it gives the, 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 you're going to have to study this stuff on your own. There's no possible way I can cover the details of every one of these uh, particular judgments, but they are horrendous. They are horrendous. There is a third people... After this sixth uh, 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 trump, after the sixth trump, there's another third of the people that are dead. So, essentially, we have approximately a half of the society of the world dead. And by many accounts, many scholars say, we haven't even started the great tribulation yet. Because when it comes to that seventh trumpet, it unfolds seven more judgments. And so there's 21 judgments total. And those judgments are horrific. But I want you to notice something. If you read through, study it on your own. I want you, I want you to study this out on your own. That's what I want you to do. Because you're going to notice something very, very ironic. Even at the end of those judgments, at the end of these trumpet judgments, you know what they do? They turn... Against the God of heaven. And they acknowledge the fact that the God of heaven is the one pouring these judgments out on them. And they still are of a rebellious nature. Why are they rebellious nature? Because they're sick. 
sealed. Sealed for destruction. Hailstones, a hundred pounds, pound down on their bodies, and they turn with their fist towards God, and they shake their fist in God. You're the one responsible for this. This great, terrible wrath is poured out from your throne room. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? You'd think they'd turn in repentance. But their repentance days are over. We're in the day of grace. Chapter 4, verse 1, it hasn't happened yet. The rapture's not happened yet. We're still in the day of grace. And you still have the Lord Jesus Christ who's begging you. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your soul. Rest for your spirit. Rest for your whole being. Peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ has taken the wrath of God from you. If you accept Him. If you deny Him, you reject Him, you're rebellious against Him, then the lot of six through nine is yours. And you can have it. You can have it. Our Father, we are thankful that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We are thankful, our Father, that The Holy Spirit has chose to be and dwell in us. We are thankful, Father, that we know the outcome. We know how this is all going to end. That ultimately the Son of God is going to be placed back in a theocratic role on this earth. That which was lost in Genesis chapter 2 is going to be regained back again in the Revelation chapter 19. And like bookends, you have a theocratic earth from its beginnings and it will be in the end. And He will be raised up and He will be King of kings and Lord of lords. Our Father, we just pray that each knee this morning would recognize that it needs to bend in humility and recognize that the Savior died for their sins. Our Father, we give you thanks now. In the name of thy blessed Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.